Welcome once again to The Ohio State of Mind, a show powered by Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. For the final time this season, alongside Tyler Damberg, I'm Caleb Spinner. 46 episodes, starting I believe we did in December when we were at Notre Dame. I remember the Ivy Court Inn and Suites in the basement, that lounge. We did our first episode, and now 45 episodes later, here we are for the season finale. We will be back next year. But our season has come to a close. Tyler, this has been so fun with you. I cannot wait for next year. What are your thoughts going into this season finale? Well, first off, Caleb, can't thank you enough for having me on. Who would have thought that on December 3rd, in the basement of the Ivy Court Inn and Suites in South Bend, Indiana, on the campus of Notre Dame University, that we would eventually be here on Monday, May 23rd, still doing it, still going strong, and wrapping up our first season of the Ohio State of Mind. My thoughts, I've had an absolute blast with you. And I can't wait for next year. Can't wait for the fall. Like, I love the summer. I think the summer's great. I'm a huge baseball guy. I live for the summer. But the fall, with everything that's going on in Ohio State athletics, everybody coming back, it's going to be here as soon as we know it, one. And two, I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to the fall with you. And everybody knows, I think, who's listened to this show. They know already I'm a Notre Dame fan. So I'm counting down the days until we get to preview that Notre Dame-Ohio State primetime season opener. That's just going to be electric. We've got a lot of stuff also going on with SGSR that's going to be exciting. Uh, some new stuff to bring you there. Tyler's coming into the position, director of advertising. I will be your president for next year. So we've got a lot of stuff cooking. Uh, not ready to put it on the table yet, but follow us. Uh, follow SGSR, follow the Ohio State of Mind, and we'll get you up to date for that. And can't wait to get back to season two. But without further ado, we are going to get into our review of the week. There are a couple games to make up here, but I wanted to start this episode off a little bit differently, putting our question of the day at the start of the show. So you guys have enough time to think of an answer by the time we get to the end and formulate your thoughts so you can share them with us on Twitter at State of Mind OSU. Uh, and on the Anchor app when you uh, respond to this question of the day. But my question today, what is your favorite sports moment from the Ohio State Athletics season? We're talking fall, winter, or spring. Doesn't matter in this case. Your favorite moment of the year. Uh, what is your favorite Ohio State sports moment? We'll get to that answer. Our answer is at the end of the show. But first, baseball had Cincinnati at home Tuesday, May 16th in a rematch of an earlier season game against the Bearcats. The Buckeyes took care of business 5-3. Ohio State scored two runs in each of the 6th and the 7th innings to take the lead. They avenged that earlier season loss as well, which they lost 7-2. Garrett Peters, the redshirt freshman, got his first win of his college career, and Hammerberg was credited with the save as well. This was a great start, Tyler, and we're not going to talk about USC Upstate yet because we have softball to split these two games up. But this was a great start to, I think, everything considered a great end of the year. You didn't get to the Big Ten tournament. You didn't get to the NCAA tournament. But where the chips fell, this was a good finish for Ohio State. And on top of that, Caleb, they get a win over an in-state rival, which Ohio State kind of 500 this year against in-state teams. They had the loss against Dayton. They had the loss against Toledo. That was a heartbreaker, but they beat Youngstown State. They had top Kent State. They had beaten uh, Wright State. But that win against Cincinnati had to have felt good. And you're right. Ending it off on a high note on a season that probably was not the best 
had to have felt good. And like you mentioned, Garrett Peters got involved. The bullpen pitched really well, probably the best bullpen performance all season long. Aaron Funk pitched three shutout innings. Josh McAllister, the freshman with a pair of doubles. And Caleb, I think this is one of those games that makes you feel a little bit better about the coming years because the underclassmen and what will be the returning guys, they got the job done against a pretty solid Cincinnati team. Yeah, these returners are going to be a huge part of next season. They were a big part of the win against the Bearcats. Another thing I like looking at too, Tyler, especially when a team gets to play uh, a particular opponent earlier in the year, and then they get to close or relatively close with them. This wasn't the final game of the season for Ohio State, but it was close enough to uh, put in this in this perspective. When you get to see the difference or the improvement or the uh, digression, it's a really good measuring stick for where you started and where you ended. And to look back at that 7-2 to loss, uh, May f- or March 5th, I believe it was, now all the way into late May to get the win against the same team at home in front of your home fans. I think this shows a lot of improvement from where Ohio State was. There was a valley in the middle of the season when they weren't scoring runs, took a couple losses that they maybe should have won. But at the end of the day, this being your guide or your gauge rather as to where you started versus where you ended, again, it's a good mark. You're right. I find that very interesting because when you have an opponent in which you play twice, but on two ends of the season, it can really show you the improvement, the progression, or the digression, really. And it shows you if you've improved or if you've fell under a little bit. And I think that 5-3 win, months after a heartbreaking 5-4 walk-off loss to Cincinnati, really proves that Ohio State turned it on a bit. And that made it a three-game winning streak for the Buckeyes after that two-game, two-win series against Penn State. And then they go on Tuesday, and then they top the Bearcats. We'll get back to Buckeye baseball here in just a minute, but we got to talk about softball first. They were at the NCAA tournament. The Buckeyes were eliminated at the end by the Oregon State Beavers 5-1. That was the final game. Friday, they played Oregon State. It was a loss 4-3. Then Saturday, they whooped the Campbell Camels 10-0 in six innings. And then, as I mentioned, on Saturday, the the second game of that day was a 5-1 loss to Oregon State. Took the Buckeyes out of contention for the NCAA championship. Here was the thing that jumped off the box chart to me, Tyler was Melina Wilkerson. You've talked about her all year. You're basically the founder of her fan club. Two hits and one RBI in three at-bats on the Saturday game against the Beavers in her NCAA tournament debut. You want you want freshmen to step up? You want a grade-A example? I pitch this to you as a shining light for the freshmen for Ohio State this next couple years. That was pretty impressive. A, a great performance by Melina Wilkerson. This freshman class this year, Caleb, stuck out to me, especially Cammie Quartercracks, Melina Wilkinson, all Big Ten, Caitlin Farley stepped up. And what stuck out to me was this class because they were never phased by the magnitude of Big Ten play, non-conference play against ranked teams even early on in the season, and then the NCAA tournament. You look at Wilkinson going out and performing on the biggest stage of her career at the highest level in college softball. And she stepped up 
and delivered for the most part. And that tells you the direction where this program and where these underclassmen are going, because if they can do this on the highest stage with all eyes on them at the Knoxville Regional in the NCAA tournament, I get some pretty good programs. That just tells you this program, it's going somewhere. And even though they're losing some key arms, they're losing some key players, they've got a lot more on the come up that can really turn some heads. And you know what? They deserve to be scared of the conference. The Big Ten was impressive this year uh, from top to bottom. But the fact that they weren't, like you said, speaks volumes to the energy that this team has, to the confidence that these young players have. And I think we're going to see this in full effect uh, next year. Ohio State finished the season 36-17 and overall and 13-9 in the Big Ten play. Uh, going back to their last full season was twenty uh, was twenty to twenty one. They were twenty four and nineteen, and they had thirty five wins in twenty eighteen to nineteen. If this, you, know, you said they're going to lose quite a few big names this season, granted. But with the freshman class stepping up, they've got a year under their belts. They've got an NCAA tournament run under their belts. They've got a pretty impressive series of upsets in the Big Ten tournament as well to go into when they become veterans, when they become the leaders on this team next year. And then if you pair this with a freshman class coming in that is just as confident, if not more so, than these ladies are, I think you see that 36 get dwarfed. I could see 45 wins next year if those cards fall where I said they would. There's a big if, and like I said, a lot of notable pieces leaving, but if everything goes right, I think you see a 45-win season next year. You never know what can happen. And let's be honest, Caleb, they're going to replenish pitching. They need to, and they're going to with their recruiting. Who knows what happens? I, I think Ohio State is a great destination for transfers. Coach Shanley is one of the best coaches in the Big Ten. She's one of the best in the country. And when Ohio State last year got Lexi Hanley from Auburn, that was the real kicker for Ohio State's progress in the offseason and into this year. And you look at it, by halfway through the season, she was starting every single game. And that was on a pitching rotation and a pitching staff that has a three-headed monster of Hanley, Allison Smith, and Emily Ruck, who are going to be two big pieces next year, especially Ruck, who's only going to be a junior. So you look at this, Caleb, the Buckeyes can get some more transfer coming in like last year with J.C. Roberti and the aforementioned Lexi Hanley, and then things can really keep on going. Who knows what happens next year, Caleb? We could see some more faces coming in in addition to recruits, and that could really help get to that 40-win, 45-win threshold that you were talking about before. This team is quality. The recruiting in the past has been quality. I expect nothing but the best from Ohio State softball this offseason. Switching over now to baseball, their final season series it was against USC Upstate, once again at home Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The Buckeyes split their final season series with the Spartans, one game to one. Now you wonder, how can you split three games? Somebody's got to come out on top. Well, game three was canceled. Mother Nature interviewed once again in the top of the fourth, called this one. Uh, Thursday was a loss 65, however, and Friday was a 13-10 win for Ohio State, technically closing off the season with a win. The Buckeyes had nine games at home to close the season. Over the last six completed games, 
They had five or more runs highlighted by an 11 to nothing victory and a 12 to three victory over Penn state in game two and three of that series. So this was a good way to end for Ohio state. As I said earlier, you want to make the big 10 tournament. You want to make the NCAA tournament. That NCAA championship is what every team aspires for, but all things considered, this was not the season that would realist. This was not the record. I should say that would put you in contention for either of those. So best case scenario was to finish your season with more wins than you did losses over the stretch. And I think Ohio State did that pretty well. And you look at the second half, they turned it on. They really did. They looked a lot better. There still were some weaknesses, but it was patched up a bit. And this team fought through a lot of adversity. Greg Beals admitted that he kind of sounded like a broken record through the season when he talked about injuries and having to step up with a lot of different guys. This was a team that was undermanned from the get-go. Third baseman, Nick Irwin, underwent shoulder surgery right before opening day. Zach DeZenzo had elbow soreness. He didn't play shortstop until the final three weeks of the season. So they were down a lot of guys. Marcus Ernst, who had who had an unbelievable senior Marcus Ernst, who had an unbelievable senior year, was playing three different positions this year. And then he finally was able to get some more consistency. So as we moved along in the season and Ohio State started to get guys back at full strength and at their primary positions, that's when they were playing better ball. And that just shows you that a better second half can churn you in the right direction. And all in all, it erases the bitterness of this season because let's face it, it wasn't a great year for Ohio State, but a couple Big Ten series wins over Michigan State and then that big one against Penn State when they brought the sticks out offensively, that does wonders for a team's morale, a clubhouse, and also just for the momentum of where this program is going. I think momentum, because we're wrapping up the podcast and I don't want to stay on my soapbox, but I think momentum in this podcast as we're wrapping up the season, wrapping up the year, that is a common theme because this is where we start to transition into the next seasons. And the way that these programs in the spring have finished off tells you something that especially baseball, softball, they can be moving forward and putting this season in the rearview mirror, probably baseball more than softball because softball had a great year, but they're putting in the rearview mirror. They're already looking ahead to next year. And that's that's the winning mentality. You, you got to rest on it, of course, when something goes wrong. You got to rest on it, understand the lesson, find it, and then wipe it from your head and move on. I think, like you said, baseball has more cause to do that uh, than softball does, but either way, these two th- these two teams are not going to end up in a good spot next year if they're living in the past, uh, like us Browns fans do more often than not. Ohio State baseball finishes the 2020-2022 campaign th- 20-30 overall, 8-14 in the Big Ten after that series win against USC Upstate. Getting back into our question of the day, what is your favorite sports moment from the 2021-22 athletic season? Again, fall, winter, or spring? Both Tyler and I have multiple, okay? Because frankly, we've been at a lot of broadcasts. We've seen a lot of these moments following for this show. So I have a couple. I'll lead off with this, Tyler. My first one, 
Uh, Zach DeZenzo, incredible end to that Penn State series. First at-bat comes up, two-run homer. Second at-bat comes up, all right, he's highlighted, he's peaked in the game. You know, we're going to get maybe a couple hits here and there, but nothing too drastic. Up, psych, 450-plus homer over the batter's eye, brings home three. Incredible start to that game for Zach DeZenzo. Incredible end to a season from the shortstop slash first baseman slash everywhere else Greg Beals puts him. But he just had a great year. That's one of mine. So I'm holding up a bat right now in my basement, but you probably can't see that. But we are play-by-play guys, so we'll give you, especially radio play-by-play guys, and we'll give you a little bit of a, a picture there. But basically, Zach DeZenzo did a lot with this. A lot with a bat this year unbelievable season just when he thought that his 300 plus average last year 10 plus home runs wasn't enough he tops that this year two home runs as well in game two against usc upstate 18th and 19th of the season tying for most in a single season in ohio state history The senior co-captain, whether he returns and takes his next year of eligibility next year, who knows what happens. That will be a treat to watch. But DeZenzo was unbelievable for this team, and I'm glad you gave him his flowers because he was utterly incredible. And in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of a lot of coaches and players, he should be a lock for first team or second team all Big Ten when this season wraps up. For context, I'm holding up a baseball. He sent a lot of these out to, out into the parking lot in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center practice fields. He now you have to throw, now you have to throw the baseball over the zoom screen, and I'll try and hit it. Oh boy, let's see. All right, uh, from the stretch, uh, doesn't like to count, doesn't like to co- count. Jake Taylor sends it in. Here comes Heat, fired it at Tyler, and a beautiful swing. That one's at least 500 feet dead center. Broke a window in my house. I'm grounded. <laughs> my second moment of the year. I am. I've become an Ohio State football fan from being at this university, from seeing what the sport means to fans, to staff, to just the overall environment of Ohio State. That being said, I love when the Buckeyes struggle. I think it makes an entertaining game. Ohio State is better than 90% of the opponents they play in a given year. Okay, I'll, I'll disguise that statement, which sounds bad out of context, with that. I love the entertaining games, uh, the close games, rather. I, I don't like the blowouts because you get you get bored after a while seeing the same thing. Unless you're in person, then it's a little bit better. But all that being said, my final favorite moment of the season, Noah Ruggles' game-winning field goal against Utah in the Rose Bowl. Ohio State looked human all game, and then clawed back against the Utes, and that capped it off. Closing seconds, between the uprights, good. Talked about the importance of kickers all year long, and then this was just the culmination of that. I feel like, historically, the kicker has been the laughingstock of the team, the smallest guy in terms of muscle, the guy whose job is easy, and anybody could do it if you pulled him out of Blocko. Anybody could kick a field goal. I think Noah Ruggles proved how hard it is and how big a kicker is. And to do it on that stage, in that moment, you've got all of Pasadena at that game. You've got a sea of red, whether that was the Utah red or the Ohio State scarlet. That place was loud. You had the sunset in the background, a chance to complete an epic comeback. 
And Noah Ruggles, who had been nails all season, Caleb, stepped up to the plate, knocked it through the uprights, just an absolute perfect kick to split the posts. So that's those are the two moments for me, Tyler. I am eager to hear what yours are. Can I predict one, though? Yes. I'm going to predict one of them is the Colton Bauer walk-off against Youngstown State. That was going to be my first one, partner. Ah. So I love that one because, well, first off, on the call with for that for Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio, nothing beats a walk-off and calling a game on the radio. I, I think it's just one of the it's just magical. But Ohio State was up three-nothing in the ninth. Nate Carafa just didn't have it that night. He just didn't have it on the mound. Surrendered four runs, and then Ohio State backs against the wall. That would be as, as Caleb grabs the mini bat and he goes, Buckeyes are down. If they lose this, that will be their third loss. No, that would be their fourth loss against an in-state team, which would be shatter a record. And Colton Bauer with Drew Record on first knocks one out of the park over the trees in left field. That was Moment number one for me. Your thoughts? I loved it. I, I think it was made better um, by the clip that you had on your Twitter of that call. The uh, t- uh, I forget the order of it. I apologize. But takes a breath and digs back. Just love that. Quality picture painting skills from our very own Tyler Danberg on that call. Oh, why, thank you. So I'll go with moment number two. I'd say the WCHA final faceoff because Ohio State, you were kind of thinking, so for, for women's hockey, of course, and they won the national championship, unbelievable moment. Some may say that might be the definitive moment of the Ohio State Athletics season this year was women's hockey mm. pulling it off. But they first had to not only go through the teeth of the NCAA tournament, but they had to go through the WCHA final faceoff, the final four. And they had probably the toughest route to get there because first, they had to beat Wisconsin. They did that in come from behind fashion. And then in the championship, they defeated Minnesota, the clear cut number one. They were down to nothing after the second period. They scored two unanswered goals in the third. And then Sophie Jakes puts it in the back of the net, lights the lamp in overtime. You can't get better fashion for that to end off in that way. This is, I mean, you even look at the national championship. WCHA was represented by both teams in there. You know that this is a strong conference. I feel like, I don't I don't feel like they get the props they deserve. Because I feel like a lot of people go, well, why is women hockey not in the Big Ten? Because arguably, the talent is in the WCHA, not the Big Ten. The Big Ten has some good teams, granted. But a lot of the, a lot of the WCHA, this should just be called the Minnesota Hockey Conference. Because six of the eight teams are from Minnesota outside from Penn State and Ohio State. So you're getting quality teams from a state that's always cold and hockey is always in season. So to beat the na- some of the nation's best is an incredible start to then a national championship run. Incredible. Well, we did. I, I can't tell you how many how much prep that you and I did and all of our SGSR broadcasters did for women's hockey games, when you look at the rosters, even for Ohio State, it's packed to the guilds with Minnesota natives. Every roster is because that is the 
preeminent stomping grounds for college hockey products in the U.S. And then, of course, you've got Canada, but then it's Minnesota. And so for Ohio State to beat some of these blue blood hockey programs in the WCHA final faceoff and then to do it in the NCAA tournament, pretty impressive. And sometimes it is about the destination. But in Ohio State women's hockey's case this year, it was about the journey. And then they reached the destination. They reached the Acropolis of women's college hockey when it was all said and done. Absolutely. Close us out. What's your third? What's better than on your home court defeating the number one team in the country on the farewell tour of one of the greatest coaches in the history of not just college basketball, not just basketball, but one of the more successful, one of the more storied coaches in all of sport, Mike Krzyzewski. What's better than Ohio State coming from behind in the final minutes by double-digit plus and beating Duke? I, I just can't think there are a lot of better moments than that upset and seeing the Buckeye faithful storming the floor when triple zeros were on the scoreboard at the Schottenstein Center. And not only just sports in general, but the international world too. He's got a few giant necklaces that have the Olympic rings on him from his career as head coach of the U.S. men's team. So one of the most storied individuals in both national and international sports, and Ohio State got the better of him. That was an entertaining game, an exciting game to take out Paolo Benchero, who's going to be a top three pick in the NBA draft this year. I think that's cemented to say, or it's easy enough to say at this point. Not a big fan of speculating, but this seems like a sure thing. To do what they did to Ohio, to Duke, rather, may, gave Ohio State some confidence that they sorely needed after keeping it tight against Akron in the season opener and not blowing out teams, losing to Xavier before that, having to go to a buzzer beater against Florida. This team was in need of a confidence boost, and beating the number one Blue Devils was exactly that. And two days before that, people forget that Duke blew the tires off Gonzaga, who started the season at the point where everybody's like, this team might top Kentucky from 2015, and they might not lose a game. And then Duke beat them by 20-plus just a couple days before Ohio State, and that was after Ohio State lost to Florida in the Tyree Appleby buzzer beater, and people were thinking, oh, my gosh. Duke is going to absolutely roll over them. And then Ohio State, they bring out and pack the Schottenstein Center. I've never seen, I've never been to a game that was that packed. And I know you were on the call for that. I'm not sure if you've seen something at the shot like that either. And then for them to do what they did, I think the unsung hero of that game, Zed Key with a 20 plus point game. And then Cedric Russell, you take out Cedric Russell in the fourth quarter, Buckeyes don't win that game. I don't even think they come close. He had 12 points all off of four threes, and those four threes kept just putting Ohio State back within a couple scores and then back to one score, and then ultimately they took the lead and they didn't look back. Tyler, I may seem like an old man compared to you, but remember, I'm only a year older ahead of you in college, and my first trips to the Schottenstein Center had nobody in them. So I, too, have not seen anything of like that. Yeah, I was going to I was going to bring that up because you called 
in your freshman year, you called games in an empty arena, empty stadiums, and to go from that and then about a year later to calling one of the biggest games in college basketball at the start of the year in front of a crowd of, I think it was over 25,000 yeah. in, in an NBA-level arena. And that that place had a lot of energy. I know there were a couple games that year for the Ohio State basketball. Wisconsin in December was another big one. Michigan State had a big showing, big crowd on a Thursday night. But none had the same energy and the same roar that that game had. Not even close. Not even close. And like I, I said it once, I'll say it before. Last thing I'll mention on this. Last year when nobody was there, it felt each and every game like we were breaking into the Schottenstein Center. Like we were not supposed to be there. Because it's like, like there's nobody there. This is Ohio State Athletics. You're not used to having no fans in attendance. Ohio State fans are some of the most passionate, albeit probably the most hated around the league from what I've seen. They're like the Yankees. Fan, Yankees. You're either a fan or you hate their guts. Ohio State fans can sometimes be obnoxious. I will call it out. But the point being, you don't have one of the most energetic fan bases in attendance. And you're sitting here calling a sporting event going, where is everybody? It just felt weird. But that's all we're going to talk about for our broadcast moments. That's all we're going to talk about about that godforsaken COVID year. Uh, we're going to move on from it now, looking ahead to Season 2 of The Ohio State of Mind. Thanks so much for hanging with us through these 46 episodes. We want to hear from you. What are your thoughts? What is your favorite sports moment from Ohio State Athletics fall, winter, or spring seasons? Do you have more than one, as Tyler and I did? We want to hear from you guys on Twitter and Anchor. Once again, at State of Mind OSU on Twitter. I almost forgot the handle here. I've said it 46 plus times here. You've got to wonder if I'm just losing my memory here. But as I said, at State of Mind OSU, let us know your thoughts on Twitter. For the final time until season two, alongside Tyler Danberg, I'm Caleb Spinner. That's the show. We're out of here. <laughs>